Well, good morning. So good to see you this morning. Appreciate your faithfulness to Valley Chapel Baptist Church, but more to the Lord. Forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together with others of like faith. That's what it's all about. Where two or three are gathered together, Jesus said, in my name, I'm in their midst. So it's not about numbers. It's not about numbers. I know God wrote a book called Numbers, but it's not about numbers. It's about the fact that you have obeyed the Lord and saw it fit to be in God's house with other Christians. Oh, how we need each other today. Because every day, there's a need to be one in him as today. And uh, I thank God for the opportunity just to be with you. God's still working in our lives and working in my life every day. I have kind of missed a couple of weeks of life here with a bronchitis or whatever you want to call it, and I hope my voice holds up. But uh, God's been good and, and uh, meeting our needs and giving us opportunity to continue to minister to him. Vicki continues to write. It's awful quiet in our car coming here and going other places. And I just let her write. I know that's a her time to do a lot of writing. She doesn't have a lot of time, but she makes the best use of it. She's trying to get her blogs out there for you folks to read and, and uh, to share the word with those that have listened. She's had many comments on those blogs, and, and I thank God for the, the talent that he has given her to, to put it in writing. I'm not a writer. Speaker either, but I have tried and enjoyed what I'm doing, and so it's a pleasure to be with us this morning. Uh, when Brother Rob asked me, or we started communicating about being here today, I started praying, realizing that we're coming into a very, very important time of year. We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God put something on my heart that I'm, I, I don't feel necessarily 100% qualified in, in uh, bringing what I'm going to be bringing this morning, but I, I hope that you'll accept it as the word of God and, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart in this matter. But the thought occurred to me as I started praying about what to, what to bring from the word this morning that the Lord started speaking to my heart about this season that we're entering into. And uh, we're only three days old into the month of December. And we've just come through a beautiful time of Thanksgiving, giving praise to the Lord. And I'm thankful for uh, the opportunity that I had to be with the majority of our family grandsons, uh, uh, family, uh, husbands, wives, and family. Uh, of course, we didn't get to be with Scott and Barbie, but we did hear from them up in Alaska. But it was great to, uh, to be together. I think there was almost 30 there, maybe about 30, maybe, give or take a couple. But we were there, and uh, <coughs> uh, they always asked me to ask the blessing. 
I know there were a lot of unsaved people there around the table. I'm sure you've experienced that before, too. And um, I can't remember what exactly happened, but uh, there was a little bit of a time lapse there between the time they had asked me to pray and asked the blessing, and actually I got to pray. And we were waiting for something. Waiting for what? Oh, that's right. There was one missing, and she was coming, and and uh, I didn't want to have the blessing before she arrived. It was uh, actually the uh, young lady who will be uh, marrying our uh, oldest grandson by our son, Sean and Rudy. Uh, they came in from out west there in Hiles Anderson College. She's going to be finishing... Uh, I think she's finishing this week. Matter of fact, she said two weeks, so it's been at least two weeks now. And uh, in the field of education, and uh, get a little bit of moisture here. Hold on. And so uh, we were waiting for her, and I said, let's, uh, let's just go around and thank the Lord for something. <laughs> You never know what you're going to get from the four responses, especially from unsaved, some unsaved folks that were there, obviously. <laughs> and uh, it didn't get out of hand necessarily, but uh, boy, it opened the door so wide for me to share the gospel in about uh, a minute and a half, two minutes. I just said, I just want to thank the Lord for my salvation and for the Lord Jesus. And... Uh, Oh, yeah, there was a few raised eyebrows, as there usually is in a crowd, but uh, mixed crowd. But I thank God for that opportunity that I had just to say thank you to the Lord <coughs> and how we should be thankful. I'm sure you've all heard this, but someone once said that we ought to have uh, uh, 364 days of Thanksgiving and one of griping. And uh, <laughs> we kind of get it in reverse, don't we? Sometimes I think we do anyway. But um, it's a wonderful season. I said all that to say this. Of all of the holidays, and you can think about them as I'm talking, of all the holidays that we celebrate in the 365 days of the year, the one that is most attacked by Satan is Christmas. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but I'm going to show you how that is fact. And it has to do with stress. I know of no other holiday that, 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 that stress is so emphasized and seen so blatantly and I know why because Christmas is all about Jesus, a Savior who left heaven's glory, came into this world as a babe in a manger. And a lot of people stopped right there. They said, it's just his birthday. And there are even unbelievers that you and I will talk to during this season who will say, well, yeah, I believe Jesus was born. It's a beautiful crash we've got out there. And 
I believe Jesus was the one because they would be young. Remember? But they miss it. And I'll tell you how they miss it. They get all wrapped up with Santa Claus, reindeer, Rudolph. Now, you know, I'm not here to judge anybody. It's not my job. But I am appalled sometimes when I talk to Christians who spend more time stressing over what to get somebody and how to go about it and how to plan, and they're leaving Jesus out of it totally. Now, this is not a Christmas message. It's a little premature to be maybe getting into the Christmas story, and I know you will as time comes, and I love the fact we're having a Christmas Eve service. What, what a beautiful time to gather around and even to join with others to share the true meaning of Christmas. I want you to know I don't, I, I don't ever see the name Jesus or see the songs like we've sung today, but what I think of what he, what he did for me. September 6, 1961, he became real in my life. I'm not the greatest Christian that ever walked or the greatest preacher of the word that ever walked the face of the earth. But I got to tell you something. I have a love today in my heart for Jesus. And it's sweeter every day. Because he gives me something new and blesses me more than I deserve. I always, people always say when I go down the halls of the prison, uh, hey, Chaplain Jackson, how are you? And I say, I'm better than I deserve. And they'll say, no, 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 you're not. They don't get it. But many times it's opened the door for me to share Christ. And some have come to know him like they've never known him before too. And so we're coming into a season where there's all kinds of, of stress and tension and frustration and whatever. And I want to help you this morning to know why. That's what I'm setting out to do today. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Philippians this morning. And if there was ever a man who was ever put under pressure and ever identified with stress, it was the Apostle Paul. Now, the book of Philippians, with the pen of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes it as a, as a book of joy. And I do have a message. I'm not preaching it this morning, but I do have a message called joy robbers and of the four chapters if I were to preach that message this morning just briefly of the four chapters each chapter shows us someone or something that's robbing you of your joy as a Christian now I hope I'm speaking to Christians today I never take it for granted and I'll share the gospel in my message every message I've ever preached but Paul here is uh, in chapter 1, we're going to be looking beginning in verse 19, and if you're able and uh, willing to do so, would you please stand as I read the word of God in, resp in respect of his word, beginning in verse 19 of Philippians chapter 1. Paul writes, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of, of, of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope 
that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, uh, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance of joy, uh, furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Father, I ask today that your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts needs. Lord, that you would give me the words to speak this morning. Convey the thoughts, Lord, of that greatest need in this hour. And that is to have you in our lives and to, and to have the joy, Lord, that you intended when when you sent your son, the Lord Jesus, into this world to, to become our savior and pay a, a sin debt that we couldn't pay. But God, I thank you for the joy that we have of knowing him, those that are here today and have trusted him. And may, if there be any in our midst this morning, may you speak to their heart, Lord, and may they make that decision today before it's eternally too late. Bless Christians today, Father. Help us today to realize that there is a need in our life and Lord, as we surrender it to you and walk in your will and your ways, Lord, you will give us victory in whatever that need is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thank you. Paul was in a situation here, and uh, it says here in the reading that he was uh, twixt too. Uh, that's a, that's a frustrating place to be. You know, we, we, we talk about it, decision time. We talk about, you know, it's either or, can't be both ways, etc. But I don't think just reading those verses that we get the full picture of what it means to be twitched too. And I want this morning to help you with this idea of the sources of tension that you and I go through. We all go through them. None of us here are exempt from them. Uh, maybe you've already been through some tension this morning before coming to the Lord's house to worship. If not, maybe before nightfall, something will happen or something will transpire, and boy, it's, it's, it, 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 it can fester and, and become so frustrating. Anybody ever been there? You ever been frustrated before? You, you look like you got it all in the book there. Nobody's ever been frustrated. Well, your arm's broken. You can't raise it, right? Okay, I'll take that for an answer. I don't know about you, but with me, it's more a daily occurrence. And I'm not priding myself. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying, if I'm not careful, the way I deal with things, how I approach things, it's a, 
there's a source of of tension that arises. I have four. There's, There's multiple, multiple reasons for stress and tension. I brought this up to a a neighbor of mine yesterday. I told him what I was going to be preaching because he goes to my church. And I said, I won't be in my church. I'm going to be preaching on on sources of tension. He says, you mean on your wife? No, 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 no. He missed the total total four. I didn't give him the whole outline. I wasn't talking about my wife or his wife or anybody else's wife or husband for that matter. But we need to realize why. We need to realize. And we don't, we don't think about this. And I've heard very few messages ever preached on why. Why is it that we go through this source of tension? Or any one of these that I'm going to be speaking of this morning. And my dear friends, it has to do with our fellowship with the Lord. And how we handle it comes right down what place does the Lord hold? And I hope that maybe my thoughts this morning from the word briefly will just help you to get through this season and and rejoice and get focused on Jesus and what he means to you and and be able to, to have victory in these sources. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, it starts by believing in him and trusting him and Realizing that he is, his birth is the reason that we're to celebrate what we're going to be celebrating as his birthday, the 25th of December. And what a joy it is to be even able to share that news, that good news of the gospel during this time. I encourage you to to get tracts and and leave them everywhere and put them in your bills and and, and hand them out. I'm I'm excited this morning because uh, we were supposed to be part of the Christmas parade at Granite State Baptist Church, and, and hours and days uh, were, were put into preparing, and, and uh, the, the folks of the church put together 4,000 bags of candy with a gospel tract and, and, and literature concerning the addiction recovery program called Simple Steps that they have every Friday night for those who uh, are addicted or wanting to get victory over an addiction of any kind, any stronghold in their life. And so they put together these bags with like maybe half a dozen pieces of wrapped candy and a, a track, Christmas track with the gospel, uh, which, by the way, a teenager wrote the track. I wish I had brought some just to show you. A teenager in our church wrote a track, and they had it published. It's a Christmas track. And it's, it was uh, Fun Facts of, of, About Christmas. That's what the title is. Who's going to turn down Fun Facts About Christmas? But when they open it, it's all about the facts leading up to the birth of Christ. So, I don't know if you know what happened, but on the Saturday morning that they were to have the parade in Concord, the Concord Parade, it's an annual event, been going on for years and years and years. The weather went south. I don't know who called the shots. I watch the weather pretty close. I like, I've always been fascinated with weather. And I happened to notice that morning on the Internet that the weather was going to clear at 9 o'clock. I'm running a little rabbit trail here, but I'll get back on in a minute. But i got to share this. And here's the message. They canceled the parade after hours and days 
of preparation, not just for our church, but it's a big deal in Concord. Right? I've been down the parade route. It goes the whole length of Loudon Road. And we pass out those bags of candy. People from church just volunteer to walk the parade route and say, here, here, here. And people are grabbing them left and right. Guess what? It didn't happen. So we go to church on Sunday morning, and there's 4,000 uh, 4, bags of candy boxed up, ready to go, no hope. Well, I'm up in the prison this week, and God laid on my heart. I was, I've been making a change. They moved my office while I was sick two weeks. They didn't tell me. They just moved it. So I'm trying to find stuff in my office this week and try to get back on track. And the thought occurred to me, maybe I ought to approach the administration and see if they'll let us give those tracks to the inmates. Huh? Now we have 150 right now in the, in the prison where I work, and we have 100 staff members. So I took a bag of the candy in, and they said, sure, this is all wrapped candy. This is good. I don't see anything here. And a couple of, couple of uh, pieces of paper in there. That's, that's, that's no problem. So I not only got 150 of them. In fact, I got one box first, 200 of them. One of the administrators went to the superintendent and said, hey, you have a problem if, if Norman can get another 100 for the staff? She called me up. Her name is Miss Morani, and she says, is there any chance you can get another 100 bags? So I immediately called Pastor Chamberlain. He said, absolutely. Folks, listen, I don't know when they're going to do it, but they have already have 200. Somebody's at my church picking up another 150, and they're, and they're going to be in the facility for Christmas. Praise Listen, you talk about an open door. I'm going to walk into there after they've given them. I'm going to say, and I'm going to have one of those tracks. And I'm going to say, did you get one of these? To every inmate that I'll be dealing with, you pray. You pray. I can, I can see a, a, a harvest. I'm praying for a harvest of souls in there. Don't ask me how I got there. I need to get back on, the, on my trail here. I want to give you four, four sources this morning. We've read of Paul here. We'll be coming back to this, and I will be reading a lot of verses. You don't need to chase me around. I have most of them written out here for me, and uh, I, I, for time's sake, I want to do that because I don't want to belabor the, the points. But you know, sometimes we come into life where we are like the Apostle Paul, and we get uh, to feeling like that whatever's happening to us that we're just being pulled this way and we're being pulled that way and we don't we don't really uh, comprehend necessarily why we just know that the tension and stress is great and sometimes it just doesn't give up and and the lid comes off and we blow up and don't tell me you've never been there or threatened with that kind of tension and it's disconcerting to me because I feel like sometimes that the things aren't just going the way I want to. And someone reminded me one time that the follower of the Lord Jesus lives at a crisis in this world. Now, we all know what a crisis is. 
When you've trusted Christ as your Savior, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you know him and, 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 and love him and are wanting to serve him, you are in a crisis, whether you want to admit it or not. I am in a crisis, and we will be until Jesus comes back and we go to be with him. And as we think about that thought this morning, we're in the crisis of the two worlds. A lost person, by the way, is also in a crisis. The lost world depends on his own feelings, and that gets him into those crises in his life. And he just continues to wallow in those crises. For the Christian, we're born again. We're saved. So we've got an edge on this crisis situation, although we are in a crisis, and I'm going to show you the four quickly. And it's all how we deal with that crisis and are prepared to deal that's going to make the difference in your life and my life. And so the first crisis I want to think about this morning is the tension, the tension between the world behind and the world before. In every believer in this room, there is a tension in the world behind and the world before. I don't know about you, but I've been saved a long time. And I want you to know from my heart this morning that it's very difficult many, many times in my life as I want to serve the Lord after having saved me since 1961, September 6th, Many times in my life, I find it difficult not to think about the sins of my past. It's very difficult to forget those sins. You know why? The devil. The devil. He may bring guilt, and he has in my life, about some things. I live a lot in the past. I don't think that's bad. I have good memories. I have a wonderful family, mom and dad, older brother, younger sister, both now with the Lord. Look forward to meeting them again someday and being with them for all eternity. But I got to tell you, I wasn't the best boy on planet Earth during my youth. And if you meet my mom up there, you'll, she'll tell you that. But let me say this. As hard as it is, it's not impossible, according to the word of God. Paul was teaching and preaching and saying, forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ, Jesus Christ. There is hope for us in Christ, if we're in Christ today. But we need to recognize that, and we need to choose to forget those things. If we don't, brother, let me tell you, the devil has his day. And he's turned many a Christians away from serving the Lord. He can't get our soul, but I'll tell you what, he can get our joy and he can and he can intercept our service for the Lord and discourage us 
by looking past. And that's one of the tensions that you and I have to recognize and realize in our life. You know, there's so much in the scriptures about the joy of the Lord and, 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 and that Jesus in John 10 himself says, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Let's not sacrifice that. Let's not give in to that tension of, uh, of the world behind versus the world before. Uh, the world uh, before. Philippians chapter 3, if you're right there in Philippians, still in chapter 1, look over there with me to verse 12. Beginning in verse 12, Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, Not as though I had already attained. That is, Paul is saying, I'm not in heaven yet. I have a ways to go. I haven't reached the resurrection yet. I'm not there. Notice, and that's what he's talking about in verse 11. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of, of Christ Jesus. He says, I keep serving. I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep striving, trying to be what God wants me to be. Now, I'll tell you, it's a lot easier when we have the Holy Spirit in our life to be what we ought to be. And we understand that our walk as a Christian is directed by him. He'll not lead us into that into temptation, or he'll not, he's not leading us back into guilt. The Holy Spirit wants us to fulfill God's will for your life and my life, whatever it is and wherever it is, if we are in fellowship with him. I don't know if I gave you this statistics or not, but when I was out in, uh, out in Omaha, Nebraska, to the Conference of, of uh, Biblical Counseling, the statement was made that 25% of, of folks who come for biblical counseling aren't even saved. 25%. 75% of the rest, 70% of them, are out of fellowship with God. That's why they come to counseling. They just simply don't understand the spirit-filled walk. And Paul here is recognizing this. We can, we can make our past either a stepping stone or a stumbling block in serving the Lord. It's our choice. I love the choices. God gives us a choice today. If you make up your mind to forget the past, and you trust God to help you in that and the Holy Spirit, and you focus on him today, and you're going to press toward that prize, that mark, the will of God for you tomorrow, God will make the detours possible. He knows how to do that. You don't have to get hung up on that world past or sacrifice it for the world before. Secondly, I want you to see from the word of God this morning the tension between the world below and the world above. So we got the world behind and the world before, and we'll always have that until Jesus comes. And how we, uh, how we attend to it is going to determine victory or defeat in our Christian life, number one. Number two, tension between the world below and the world above. Now, Paul was, was, a, was, a, was a, uh, an authentic 
writer on these things, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit who wrote these things. Paul simply wrote them down. These were God's words to us. We have them in, his, in, in the Bible here, and it's so important that we focus on them. Here in our text this morning, he says, I am a straight, look at verse 23 and 24, chapter 1, back in Philippians. I am in the straight between two, having desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, verse 24, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He said, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. How many of you here want to go to heaven? Anybody? Yeah, I ought to have every hand up here. I want to go to heaven. But wait a minute. Paul says, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm twitched too here. I got a job to do down here. You know, wouldn't it have been wonderful? I'm not trying to tell God what to do or what he should have done. But wouldn't it have been wonderful he made that plan of salvation, brother, that the minute you trusted Christ, you're out of here. Oh, that would have been, woo-wee. We'd be up there just walking the streets of gold, glorifying God and praising him and giving him worthiness, what, is, what he's worthy of. That's not what his design is. And Paul recognized it right here. He said it was more needful for you and me that he stay around a while. And that's the same way with us. But don't try to make me believe that's not a tension in your life. <laughs> I struggle with that daily. I think about heaven. I think about my mom and daddy being there. I think about my brother and my sister being there. And I think of me in jail. Now, where would I rather be? Common sense tells you I'd rather be up there with them, wouldn't you? If that's your case this morning, and be with the Lord Jesus forever and ever and ever. That's tension. That's tension. That's stress. I don't know about you, but I do stress over it. I said, well, how do you handle it? I'm going to get there. Don't get ahead of my notes now. You're walking with God and you love the Lord. We sang that this morning in one of our hymns. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Do you love him that much this morning? To want to be with him? Are you ready to be with him? You say, well, I'm saved. No, I said, are you ready to be with him? I think we all still got some work to do. What's the little song we sing with the children? He's still working on me. Make me what I ought to be. Yeah. Folks, if he's not working on you, you get a problem. You've arrived. Paul hadn't arrived. And if he hadn't arrived... Christian he was, I certainly can't say I've arrived. Paul writes in chapter 3 again, if you want to flip back over there, look at uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. He says, for our conversation is in heaven from whence we also look for the Savior. We are looking for him to come back. We want him to come back, folks. I want him to come back. I would he come back before the service is over this morning. Our conversation in our life is there. The Lord Jesus, verse 21, look at this. Who shall change our vile body? Now, we can't forget we're still here now. We're still here. That it may be fashioned like unto his 
glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I'm going to himself. I love that song. I'm sure it must be in your songbook. It's in about every songbook. I, I love to go through the hymns, and when I'm preparing messages, I love to read the hymns, and I love to sing. But sometimes we miss the meaning, and we're, we get caught up in the melody, and I love to hear the, the different parts and, of, of a song being sung. But the message is this. My, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere belong, uh, beyond the blue. The angels beckon me. Oh, yeah, listen. This world isn't our home, people. Don't get your anchor down too deep. You're going to miss it. The tension is there. But it can be resolved in the life of the believer. Quickly, number three, I want us to see this morning the tension between the world within and the world without. I don't know of anyone else's salvation but mine this morning, but you know the day, if you're saved, you know that day, you know that time, not necessarily to the minute. But I believe it's important that you, 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 you know when you were saved however you want to cut it and I want you to know this morning that since that time there's been tension and there's been a crisis in every believer's life including my own this morning I'm preaching this message more maybe to me you take it as you will but I want you to know that since I got saved if there's been a crisis in my life between the world within and the world without. You see, we have two natures. The Bible teaches we have two natures. We have a, a divine nature. A divine nature, according, this is according to Ephesians. Because Paul in Ephesians tells us to put off the old man and put on the new. So we have an old nature and we have a new nature. Now, that's a crisis, folks. Call it what you want to. You've got a war going on. And Paul, God used Paul in writing Ephesians chapter 6 and telling us about putting on that whole armor of God, did he not? That we may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil? Yeah. The old nature will always be at war with your new nature. You just have to get that and realize it. Even in this holiday season, there is a pull going on in my life, in your life. We hear the songs of the world of Christmas. We, we see all the, the bright lights, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating with trees. We've got two beautiful Christmas trees here. We've got one about, well, maybe as high as that plant there. But it reminds me, Jesus is the light of the world. Yes, he is. And we need to understand, the devil is constantly trying to wear out the saint. He 
picking on us every day. He's trying to break us down. He's trying to water down this idea of Jesus. You don't understand how much he hates God. We're going to get to that in closing. He just hates God, and he hates anybody and anything that would give God any glory. Don't ever forget that. I think we do sometimes. We just sort of get into a, 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 a mode here of just, yeah, I know that. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Like I said, there's multiple tensions that we're dealing with. We just have to know them and face them and deal with them by giving God more and more attention to his word, more and more time of fellowship one with another, bearing one another's burdens. That's why he left us here. He just didn't take us to heaven when we got saved. One way he does the wearing of the saint between the old nature and the new nature. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, we have a, a, a passage concerning the lusts of the flesh. Now, I didn't know this till I went to conference. Now, I've been in the Word a long time, but I did not know that there are over 80 different lusts listed in the Bible. You know the number one that we think about only usually? Sensual, sexual lust. You know why? Because of the battle going on with the devil. He doesn't want you to focus on those lusts. And yet the Bible speaks about the lust of the flesh here. He says, for the flesh lusteth after the spirit. In Romans 7, 8, uh, verse 18, Paul says, for I, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing for to will is present for me but how to perform that which is good I find not he says in Romans chapter 7 verse 20 and 21 sin that dwelleth in me he speaks of evil is present with me how much more plain can that be folks we got a we got a crisis going here what are we doing with it how are we handling it go on here and develop that one further I could develop any of these into a message in themselves but I just want you to see the big picture this morning that as Paul was in a crisis as Christians become in a crisis when we get saved don't ever forget that oh the, the world looks at it or even, even some churches are looking at it as oh is everything is alright now they paint a picture that's not biblical. Stay in the book. And lastly, probably the greatest of all, if I would go on and list some others for time's sake, I'm going to cut it off here, but the one that's the most, most potent in the life of the believer today is you've got to remember the tension by the conflict between God and Satan. That covers almost all of them. And here we are in the twixt. Yeah. Between the, world, between the world below and the world above and the world in and the world outside. Listen, folks. It's real. 
that battle is going to go on for the ages. Now, Satan knows he's defeated, but he won't admit it. He was defeated on Calvary, as far as this preacher is concerned. And he should not have rule and reign in my life and cause tension, especially when it comes to celebrating the birth of my Savior. Why should I be stressing over what I'm going to get somebody? And I wonder if I'm going to get this, and you know? That's not God. We've got it. We've got all we need. Jesus is all I need. But it's up to me to put him first. He gives me that opportunity. Once a year, if no, long, if no other time, we shouldn't be stressing over the, his birth. Coming into the world as a babe in the manger. It's like you're having two enemies between God and, and Satan. The tension is having like having two enemies fighting each other. And as Christians, we're caught right in the middle. <laughs> I hope you understand that this morning. If you don't understand anything else from the message, understand that we're right in the middle. We're caught right there. We're either going to go with the devil and his ways, or we're going to go with God and his ways. And we know Isaiah prophesied many, many years before his birth that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than ours. Today, the choice is ours. And I hope this holiday season, this Christmas time, this, this uh, opportunity that we have to to praise him and to thank God for him and sending his only begotten son. He left all of heaven's glory to come to a sin-sick world and take the sins of every, every person, past, present, future sinner, upon himself. I still use that one verse every time I witness in the chair. John 3.16 for God so loved the world. So loved. Nobody's ever explained what that phrase, so loved, really means. But God so loved me and you. If I was the only sinner, he'd have done it. He'd have sent Jesus to die that I could come back and have fellowship with him. That's all he wants. He wants us to walk with him and to listen to him. He's given us his whole word. Someone said this is a love letter from God. He loves us so much that he gave us this Bible that we can walk with him and fellowship with him and talk with him and worship him. And please, please don't let this any and all any of these tensions supersede that this Christmas. God help you. God loves you this morning. If you're here today and you've never trusted him, would today be the day of salvation? Just say, Yes, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself, but I know that you sent Jesus just for that very purpose, to pay my debt of sin, because God can't accept sin into heaven. There's no way. I, 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 people ask me, how, how do you deal with a Muslim, and how do you deal with a Catholic in jail, and all of it? I say, I just tell them about Jesus. And it works, Brother Rob, it works. They've never heard that God loves them. They think the world is totally against them. Well, some are willing to admit they messed up. They know they're sinners. They know they've done wrong. But it's a joy to talk with them, to share Christ with them, and to ask them to invite him into their life and to, and to uh, save them.
from an eternal hell. God and Satan are fighting over you and me this morning. The devil did all he could to keep you from getting saved. Did you know that? 17 years he did all he could. He had me believing for 17 years of my life that I was going to go to heaven. If you're here today, he's trying to keep you from going to heaven too. But you know what? Although he's trying to keep you from going to heaven, be careful because once you trust Christ, he's going to do everything in his power through tension to keep you from serving the Lord. Passing out tracts, praying for one another, being faithful to church. He's, he's upset. He's upset at any church today that's preaching the truth. He doesn't want that. But I'm thankful this morning that I have the assurance that greater is he, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And there on the cross, when I said yes to the Lord, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Chapter 4, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power, over here I wrote it out, but I've got to read it, be of God and not of us. He's simply saying this, folks, and I close, that this is the day. Remember, he's all-powerful, and he's given me the right to be that and to do what I want.